What is happening, my friend? Hey, happy, uh, uh, not Tuesday. No, I don't even know what, <laughs> what day it is, where we are, but good to see you, as always. And good to see you, too. So uh, did we actually miss a week for this podcast? We missed a week. So okay. uh, lest anybody think that you're going crazy by uh, your podcast feed, um, yeah, it seems like longer than a week, though, doesn't it? You know, um, yeah, and, and really, I, I uh, unless we miss one, which has almost never happened, we've done them on different days, but um, we fully missed the whole week because it just got so much stuff going on last week. We just had to surrender and say, hey, no time. Our, our <laughs> real lives got in the way. Yeah. So, uh, the only other time that happened, I think, was last year around Thanksgiving. <laughs> Did we miss a week? That sounds I, I think right. So. Yeah. So um, our apologies to uh, I did hear from some of our loyal listeners uh, what the hell is going on. Where That's are the you guys? yeah that that part makes you feel bad. Like you know you we've tried every week to deliver you know new and original content, and we appreciate the feedback and yeah. to the loyal listeners, but. We couldn't pull it off last week, so we apologize, but we're back and we're back, and there's plenty of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I don't, so. I don't see any disruptions in the <laughs> foreseeable future, and if if nope. we have to uh, pick up the pace, we'll do so. Yes, yes. So, uh, um, what's on your mind? Well, Ready? I mean, we're just preparing for uh, a nice leisurely chat today, but we have you situated here in the studio with all of your. Uh, there should be no interruptions. <laughs> let's hope not, but uh, I don't know, man. Like you said, there's not there's no shortage of uh, shit going on, but I yeah. mean, the stuff that I was, you know, kind of watching this week. This week was uh, what's the deal with the debt ceiling? Is that is that the big thing that is supposed to happen by the end of this week? You know, sh- you know, this has happened so many times. I know in in recent politics uh, that I should be an expert on it by now, but every time I hear it come up in the news. I kind of, you know, I kind of block it out because it's so depressing. Uh, and so here's my take on it currently right now. So um, right now the Republicans spent the Trump administration, the last year of the Trump administration um, running up, spending like uh, like drunken uh, what, I don't sailors. Know, like, yeah, drunken sailors. The and, and now they don't want to authorize the Congress to pay for it. So that's how my take on it. And then they think somehow that if they let this go to where the government has to shut down, that somehow is going to play well for them. I, I don't understand. Really. But what's how many times can you remember have we actually had a shutdown? Well, one one time that I remember where we actually had the shutdown and there was some, I don't know if it was temporary. Uh, Obama know, had one. The full faith and credit of the, yeah, I think it was during Obama. The full faith and credit of the United States comes into question and on an international basis, our credit gets downgraded and it's catastrophic really. And in in a shutdown now would just with so many things going on, right, that that need to be addressed and we need to continue addressing, it would be a catastrophe. And I think government does need to shut down, though. No, I'm because, sure you do. <laughs> you know, government forced all private businesses to shut down through COVID, so I think government at least needs two weeks to uh, slow the spread of their spending. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I should have, but I didn't see it How coming. How long was the Obama shutdown, do you remember? It was like a um, week or it something. Was, it was long enough for uh, national parks to close, people to miss, government workers to miss um, paychecks and things like that. Wasn't so. the big, I mean, it's, I don't know how many years ago it's been, over four, of course, because we've already skipped over Trump yeah. and it was sometime during Obama's years. But I seem to remember that we didn't really skip a beat 
I didn't give two shits about the parks I couldn't go to. All the government <laughs> services that we didn't have because people weren't getting paid. Well, I, I never saw a difference. Didn't affect us because, you know, we're in the top uh, uh, 20%. <laughs> but, I mean, even services that the federal government would provide, I didn't notice anything. I, you know, it. that's the problem. I don't – I think it's um, – I think that – so, you know, I'm going to kind of put myself on the Republican side of this. What's their... Wow, going there early today. What's their thinking, right? What's their thinking? How did... Why... Because they're not... They, don't, they are They are no longer doing anything because it's in the public interest. That's, well, that's that's that's, a, that's it. That's, that's the, right. the summary of the argument. Right. What, what they're doing is simply the opposite of what the Democrats want them to do. Right. And so... So they must think that there's some political capital for them to gain by by causing a shutdown during the during a democratic administration. And what could that possibly be? There were no be? shutdowns. Well, there was a shutdown, right? There was a shutdown in the first year of the Trump administration if I remember right. What was that one? He there was it was something I can't remember what the what the red line was, but there was Something that the Senate, the Republican-controlled Senate, you know, said, "Hey, we're not gonna, we're we're gonna let the shutdown go unless this or that happens." I can't remember what the hell it was. I don't remember either. So anyway, it's all kind of bad. I mean, there's no, there's no upside. This is, this is a mechanism that should be automatic. This should never be a political football, uh, and it continues to be. Um, and the reason why it never was in the in the past was that this was simply the authorization to pay for the money that the government has already spent. How, when when you put in a political play that virtually stops the government from paying for things they've already spent the money on, it's harmful to the to the country, regardless of your political. Let's side. let's just uh, do what you know the rallying cry. Let's just forgive the debt. You know, like student loan debt Just and everything. Just print the money and pay the bill. So what do you know about um, – is it like every – so that w- w- what's the significance of this date of the shutdown? And and does it happen every – what is it, annually? Is it during a four-year presidential term, well, which wouldn't I, make sense? I do think that there's been some kind of like three-year – moratorium it's just been automatic but that stopped this year so this is the first year that we've had to deal with it again and uh, and of course uh there's so i guess right now the thing is is and you should like this i think maybe because the, i think what 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 mcconnell is saying about this why the republicans are taking this stand is that they feel that once they authorize raising the debt limit and paying for the the bills from their past administration, that it's going to open the the way for Democrats to pass the three trillion dollar uh, spending bill. How does one relate to the other? I don't think it does, but um, uh, but he thinks know, it does. Well, they think they think it, it's some kind of. They're taking some kind of moral stand, you know. They don't give a shit about any of this when they're spending the money. But this is—it's just for me. It's just—it's it's getting to be old news, right? It's so predictable. When I first heard the first mention of a go- impending, impending government shutdown and battle over raising the debt limit, I knew this is where it was going to go, and it's going right where I thought it was going to go. So that is not interesting to me that's boring <laughs> but think about I mean? it what I, I mean it is fucking crazy right because you referred to it as paying for past debts 
Yeah. But what we're really saying is what? There's some threshold that that we have authorized the American government to to reach as far as carrying a, a specific amount of debt. Uh-huh. And beyond that threshold uh, needs to be approved. And therefore, if it's not approved, we won't continue to pay the debt. Is that it? Yeah, this is a I'm not going to I'm not going to claim to have, you know, ha- I haven't I haven't really dug into it. So I'm a little light on the procedure. There appears to be two parts of it. What do you need to do to stop a government shutdown? And then separately is raising the debt ceiling. So they're they're not the same thing. So there's two different parts of it. So why would the one government be, shut down? One can be done because something about because that's the part where you're you're where you're funding the government. Well, where you're paying for the stuff you've already. For the bills you've already incurred, like right? so, does that include things like salaries and benefits and pensions? I guess, yeah. I think everything. I mean, I think it's it's because what's going to happen is if this do, if the if if the Congress is not authorized it, it, to pay the bills, then then there all that stops. I mean, the bill paying stops. There's no authorization, so federal employees don't get paid. I mean, many things happen, right? Uh, uh, loans default, interest payments, things, you know, money that the U.S. has borrowed and, you know, interest payments on those things. Stop. So it's technically it's technically debt, right? Because you, you've you've identified and authorized a certain amount of debt. Yeah. And you're saying, hey, this is our these are our liabilities. We have to pay it. Right. And then but it's not really tied to income. Right. It's not really tied to revenue. As far as do you have enough income to pay the debt? That's not really what this is, right? No, I mean, I, I mean, that's not what this is supposed to be. This first off, this was for quite a long time. I'm not, I don't have the number at my fingertips, but I don't know. I don't. This this has not always been the way, and this was a. What am I trying to say? Uh, this was just a routine procedural thing that happened in the in the Congress and the Senate. And there was never historically any objections. It was a procedural thing that was done. We never right. us us normies never right. knew about it and right. the government carried on and right. we all got to go to our national parks. And during the Obama administration, during the complete obstructionist reign of Mitch McConnell and the Senate the Republican controlled Senate after the first two years of Obama's presidency, they turned this routine procedural vote into a into a political football to use as a um you know as a threat you know to hold over the the, the and and it's just it's just not even I mean, it was never done before because it wasn't the right thing to do, right? You've already spent the money. It's this is not there's no way that this has anything to do with controlling spending or anything like that, right? This is like, hey, We've already spent this money. We have bills to pay, and now we're not going to authorize paying those bills. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things in this that don't make sense to me. It's yeah. it's one thing to say um, we've already incurred this. We've agreed to incur this debt. These are the the, the liabilities that we show we're going to pay. I, again, I always try to dumb it down and think about your household yeah. budget or your business. Yeah. If you're if you have a significant loss in income in your household or your business, you could have all the debt in the world and say, "Hey, I know I owe this money, but I'm going to pick and choose what bills I'm going to pay." Yeah. And uh, it's not like you're you're saying you're not going to pay it. It's just you know yeah. the, the checks in the mail. This one's going to be late, right? It's it's okay if the Republicans don't like the 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 level of spending that you see during a Democratic administration, and 
and vice versa. I mean, none of the Democrats like the amount of money that Republicans spent, but um, it's it's like it's after the fact, right? And so, but I like the phrase you used, "political football," and well, it, it seems is. to me that um, <coughs> how many how many more Pandora's boxes can we open and to look for more opportunities to find political footballs to to be obstructionists on both sides too. I mean, I just, how much more is there to pick apart in the future to say, Hey, well, these fuckers, uh, you know, made this issue a political football. We're going to find something else to make a political football. And it just goes back and forth. It's more well, like volleyball at some point. not yeah. football. I mean, I think that that's why I get a little bit, I mean, I'm not even that interested in, in the deep dive on this issue because that's all it is. I mean, you can do the deep dive. You can understand every procedural move that, involved in it to the max and it still is just it really just comes down to um this is something that you know especially republicans you don't tend to use as a as a battering ram to but it's it's just it's too late right i mean it's like you've already you've already incurred these debts so when you don't pay, if the U.S. defaults on on its payments, that will destroy the economy. But didn't that happen during the Obama shutdown? Didn't we effectively shut down and default on payments? Um, I don't. I don't know how. I can't. That would have been what uh, sixteen, maybe twenty sixteen. No, probably later than that, because in in twenty sixteen we controlled the both houses, right? Well, when, when did Trump come in? Eighteen. Well, when, wait. When did he come in? Twelve, right? Am I am I getting this wrong? How long? What? When did Obama's eight years start? Well, it started in '09, January of '09. Oh, okay, yeah. So but then was Trump the was in by what? Eighteen? Well, oh, fuck. I'm like, I'm already starting to forget you. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's right. Okay, so Obama <laughs> won the 2008 presidential election. Came in, in took January. office in January of 2009. Yeah. Lost in the in the 2010 uh, midterms. Lost the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the house or no lost the house and then um some point after that and i can't remember when lost the senate too so so um uh so i don't i gotta think it had to be after that because there's, there never would have been a shutdown while the democrats control so that would houses. be 12 or 13 yeah so but I mean, still so the question is did we did we actually default on payments um you know, my memory is that there was there were delays for sure, right? And that there was a downgrading of the credit for the United States on the international scene. That's kind of good, right? How can you build back better if you don't have a dip at some point? <laughs> oh, God. So I guess my I guess my thing is that this this unfortunately is such a and this is just a reoccurring self-inflicted wound. That, that we're doing to ourselves. But why do we, yeah, right. We are doing that to ourselves. Yeah. Why is that even a thing? Like, well, why is this, I, I don't get it. Well, because at some point the Republican controlled Senate decided that they were going to use this. But it's even bigger than that, ever. right? It's not really a, the Republicans' fault. They're, this this exists for them to pick apart and use as as a tool to, to do what they're doing. But but it's there, right? Why is it? Why can't we change this process well, to where this doesn't happen? I think if uh, if the majorities were bigger in the House and the Senate for the Democrats, they would be changed, right? So, I mean, I think that. Um, uh, I mean, right now, I mean, you can't. 
it's really it's really been kind of an interesting what has this been eight months now or something With uncle joe yeah and and you know the the majorities in the two houses are so slim that it's just a different kind of politics right and um and so for, I would think you'd be happy with everything, you know, that, that this, these very slim majorities in, in the two houses are really holding Democrats back from fully, from fully realizing their agenda. Well, we'll see. I mean, the, uh, the big stuff is infrastructure, all the spending bills, uh, taxes, which is looming, you know, you there, know as well. There's a, there's a, what is it? A billion dollars, a billion dollar infrastructure, bipartisan infrastructure plan. I think billion or a trillion? Or a trillion, I think. Yeah, yeah I think sorry. it's... Billion doesn't even pay the, <laughs> doesn't even pay doesn't even the, keep the parks open. Yeah, it doesn't pay for the coffee right. part at the... Uh, at the, at the White House? Yeah. Um, so billion-dollar infrastructure, bipartisan. That should happen. Everybody's pretty much agreement on that. And then there's a $3 trillion spending package that, that would follow suit, which, which can theoretically be pushed through on reconciliation... If, if the Democrats can get every Democrat, which they're not, right? That's kind of what I'm reading is that maybe they don't have the support amongst themselves that they thought. Like that, that bill as we've been reading is in jeopardy. Well, I mean, you know, um, some Democrats that mansion and I forget the names now that are typically, you know, that are in more red, where the states are a little more red than they are blue. They have to be careful what they allow themselves to be in support of a mansion. You know, finds himself in a, in a, this puts him in a place of political power that normally would not be the case, right? And so he is, you know, I mean, he's, he's flexing the muscle from that position. Uh, once these plans get, if these plans go through, uh, so here's what I'm hearing on the political uh, analysis right now. If if where the, are you hearing this, Rachel Maddow? Who, who's giving you this in, incredible inside information? Give me a list every <laughs> everywhere I heard it. Um, uh, so what I'm hearing is that if I get this straight from Kamal Harris, she calls me, yes. and tells me anything. Um, he, uh, uh, if if the if the if the billion dollar infrastructure or the tr- three trillion dollar spending package for all the other programs, if these things fail, that will that that will signal probably the end of the Biden administration's uh, legislative agenda. That that from that point on, that that what what they're saying is that in, in this two year window before the midterms, mm-hmm. if if the, if this doesn't get accomplished one way or the other. <clears throat> I don't think anybody's saying it has to be the you know that the numbers couldn't change some, but they have to be substantially what they are now as far as the amount of spending to get these to get these. This is represents they put everything on the Biden agenda into these two. What are they bills. quitters if they don't get it passed? What the fuck's well, wrong with them? Well, what they're saying is that that that's going to that that the effect of that will be that will cause uh, the Democrats to really get slammed in the midterms and. Um, and then that will really be the end of it. That you know, if they take back the 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 Senate or the House, one or the other or both, that that will be the end of the Biden uh, legislative agenda, and that 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 could start a downhill. Don't they have another year before that happens? They do. What they're saying, uh, but let's say that. Well, the, don't let's don't, say don't that, give up, bunch of pussies. Get back to work. <laughs> they're working on it, man. <laughs> 
So I don't think anybody's given up, but it's not coming easy, so we'll have to see, right? And, I mean, possibly one of the motivating factors for McConnell and these uh, asshats to pull this government shutdown business is because they see it coming. I mean, I think they I think they think that if Biden gets this these spending bills through one way or the other, it doesn't I mean, you know, originally, right, for the first eight months and, and prior to the election, we heard a lot about bipartisan. And I frankly personally, and for anybody that disagrees with me, feel free. I think they've made a valiant effort to try to bring bipartisan support for for all of these projects, right? And and I, I think that's true, and that's one of the areas that I, I give Biden credit, and I go back to his statements that he made you know, upon his election and his yeah. inauguration that he's going to be the president for all people. I mean, he's he's going to take his same bad ideas and try to make both sides cooperate and, and come to an agreement, but he is trying. I give well, him credit I mean, for he, that. He's trying. I, 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 I am you know, slowly but surely losing confidence that it will actually happen. Um, but you I don't mean, fault Biden for that. No, no, I don't. I just I think that unfortunately, the politics are so polarized, and the current state of the Republican Party is so effed up that they're just you know I I mean they can't. There's just no way that I see them reaching out and taking this opportunity to work in a bipartisan fashion for the good of the country. Um, I just don't see it. I mean, they only seem to have one playbook, and that's just complete and total obstruction. And, you know, we, we've we had – I mean, that was all my complaint with all of the Supreme Court stuff and the way McConnell ran the Republican-controlled Senate in regards to that, the way he fucked over Obama on the on – the, Supreme Court, and that was more the nomination. opposite. It was it was less obstruction and more just railroading shit through. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I I mean, and I don't know how I feel about the the whole filibuster business one way or the other. I mean, you know, it, it just it all flips back and forth, right? So things that are bad for one side now, when things flip, and they will eventually, as far as who's in control of either house then it'll be bad for the other side. So, you know, getting rid of the filibuster now so you can push everything through on a simple majority um, would be great now. And I think there's probably plenty of Democrats that, that think that the, the, the programs that are at stake um, are more are important enough to pull that switch. But and, like you're saying, at some point in the future, whenever that is, are you willing to sacrifice uh, decisions for a simple majority when the shoe's on the other foot? Here's what I'm more afraid of than anything is that one of these old codgers in the Senate, I don't know all their names, pops off, right? And and then that's the end of the Democratic majority. The end of the ability that to- can all be solved with term limits, which you refuse <laughs> to get on board with. Uh, not on board yet with the term limits for um, legislators. Um, we already have them for the president <laughs> <laughs> or age limits. God, I mean, that just makes sense to me. Age limits. Well, I mean, I think those are things in Supreme Court term limits, right? Yeah, all of it. You know, um, people are living longer. I mean, that's yeah. true. Um, you know, we, you know, some people who are. You're still with it in their 80s or 90s, but I mean, god damn. Do I? I don't know. Um, uh, My father-in-law, uh, at his business, on, on his company's board, he t- he's got like two people in their 90s. Really? Two two board members in their 90s. Why? I don't know. Knowledge? Are they, I are guess. they sharp? 
I I know one person in their early pushing mid nineties now that seems sharp as a tack, right? And um, I so I I just recently have seen her twice uh, since the pandemic thing kind of calmed down a little bit. So went the whole time, like every whatever it was, a year and a half where the function that I used to see her at was off because of the pandemic. So when I knew that was going to happen again, and I'm like, oh, my God, how how is she going to be when I see her? She was, you know, and so she's unchanged as far as I can tell. How old is she? She's like 94. Is this person like, you know, she she's with it and she's sharp for 94, but how connected is she to things in 2021? Seem pretty connected. Like, right? does she use she, a, an yeah, iPhone? She, Can she use a computer? It, apparently so. She has an iPhone. That's good. Yeah, and and um, uh, and I can contrast her with, you know, people I know in their 80s that are so. But See, that, you know, that's the she thing. She doesn't it's, have dementia or, right? or those kind of chronic things, right? But and, let, let's say you're totally healthy and you yeah. have a sharp mind yeah. and, and you can have a, a you know a conversation. But how connected are they to the to the needs of the times? Yeah. And yeah, that's she, really what I think about. Yeah. And she seems that's the difference, right? It's like it's like, um, frankly, you know, my mother-in-law has, you know, is getting pretty. Is her dementia is pretty advanced, and so and how old is she? Eighty-eight, and so um, she. She's just really, I mean, it's like she's not in this decade, you know, and, and so things that when when there's any discussion about what a house costs, you know, she's her common response would be, oh, come on now. You, know, you say, well, this house is worth a million and a half dollars. Oh, come on now. Well, I mean, who could blame her for that, especially <laughs> with inflation the way we see it in California? Right, but there's a there's this a fucking mirror. little shanty over here is a million and a half dollars. <laughs> well, I get the reaction, and you're going to be outbid. But, but she honestly, in her mind, she thinks that that million and a half dollar house should be three hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, uh, and maybe, and I don't even know about that. Right? She's so, probably right. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I get it if you're, but we say connected, right? That's, yeah. you know, I don't, the person I know in their 90s, I don't think would have that kind of reaction. Oh, yeah, I, I know. But, you know, that's part of the dementia, right? New information just really doesn't stick, right? Well, and, and even at 88, you said? Yeah. That's still, I think, well past the life expectancy for yeah, that's for women. in Truly borrowed time. It is, right? <laughs> but that's so. why I always say like a, a Bernie Sanders or even a Mitch McConnell. I mean, these, these fucking guys why young people bernie in particular right he had a lot of people a lot of young people stood behind him and wanted him to be president yeah. both times i just never understood that like why when when you're young and you think that the world is fucked up and things in government are broken and we need change why yeah. you think a guy in his whatever late 70s is yeah, the right guy to fix it 70s yeah i don't know <clears throat> well i mean on both sides of that i mean Trump was in his seventies, and I didn't. This I didn't shit began. To me, that was just a celebrity infatuation. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I don't think that age has been the determining factor. I mean, and Trump doesn't look as old because he bleaches and tans, and he's got the. He looks ridiculous to me. He looks bad now. Oh my god! I mean, not that he ever looked good, but he never looked. I don't think he looked uh, his age. You know, when you way. see Trump, typically when you see Trump on TV now, they're old clips. Right from yeah, he's old news. The last four years, right, the last five years, 
And so you're just not seeing many new clips of him. So when they want to do say something about Trump, they put up clips from, you know, last year before the before the election. It's funny. I've seen a, but I mean, and anybody, I, you know, anybody can take a bad photo. So I have seen a couple of bad photos, like on an internet browser or something, like on uh, MSN or whatever it is, Bing or something. You see, they got news pictures and stuff. And I've seen a couple of very unflattering pictures, but that could have happened at any time. Do you have a good side or a bad side when you take photos? It's all bad. <laughs> Remember that one time I took a picture of you with that app that makes you look younger, and I turned you into a little prepubescent boy? Yeah, didn't like that. looked that. pretty good. Uh, it looked like my 12-year-old school picture. <laughs> so sick. And then I have the Baldify app, which is still pretty freaky. Right? So that's where, that's an app where you can take anybody with hair, and then the, this app takes their hair away. Well, remember even uh, I, I, there was a period of time before, I think Trump was running and there was a Trump app, maybe there still is, where you could put Trump hair on people. Yeah, I'm I think sure I put it on it. you. Yeah, and then, but the funny ones are when they put it on a dog. That's when it really looks or right. little babies, little babies. Because it really that. makes them look just like them. Yeah. So, so what do you think about what do you think about the fact that Trump still appears to be the head of the Republican Party? Well, you say that, you know, and I know you're not the only one saying that, right. but I just um, you don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know what I don't know what that does to suggest that. Like, why Republicans are still holding on to that guy? And uh, if he has that big of an influence, I guess that's the only word I can think of, influence. If he somehow is still that relevant that he can influence the midterms or he could influence and possibly you know, get a Republican elected in the next uh, general election, I guess that's the reason why. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't believe, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know if, what you think, but I don't believe Trump thinks he himself is going to be reelected or reinstated. I know there are people saying that, but I don't think he thinks Nobody that. Nobody believes, except for the jackass, the my pillow guy. Right. That guy, moved, he recently moved the date for Trump's reinstatement up into October. Yeah, is he <laughs> so, like talking to Nostradamus or something? No, I don't know. I, I I think he's a little more on the periphery of the situation than, than the media would have you believe, right? Um. I, I think the problem is is that from what I can see, all of the Republican all Republic all current all currently serving elected Republican officials, right? Uh, well, uh, like Senate and House well, people? Most certainly all federal uh, office holders, right? As opposed to governors or you know, state senators or something. Um, for sure, these federal office holders all appear to be completely controlled by uh, by by not. They are seem to all be deathly afraid of of raising Trump's ire toward them and then being primaried by an even farther right wing candidate supported by Trump. Now, we don't know currently, to be honest with you, whether that's a thing. I can't be a thing. Well, it can't be. It hasn't been much of a thing. Because what you know, in the past, Trump's big he he likes to bark, right? He's like a dog. He in his personal life and in his business, he threatens with lawsuits if you say bad shit about him. He, he didn't he sue somebody one time because they said he was less of a billionaire than he was. Yeah. So that's that's his thing. He's a big bully. 
And even when he was president, he had Twitter and whatever else to just go on there and say, oh, this guy, he's a fuckhead. He crossed me. Uh, he's no longer in the right. Republican Party. But he doesn't have that outlet anymore. Well, I think lawyers are going to be a little bit more um, careful uh, in in being involved in lawsuits with Donald Trump because, for instance, his the, the gal they call Sidney Powell, the gal they call the Kraken, um, uh, she is being hit with massive uh, court costs and things uh, and um, what's the other word censures and so forth for for the the for for several of the lawsuits that she represented him in regarding to overturning the election and so um, she's being yeah brought into it yeah yeah because here's the problem right so you go into court and say something that is patently untrue that puts you in a very precarious mm. position as a as a lawyer so she's his lawyer she files a suit saying the election was stolen was stolen right and then now she is personally liable uh, as a lawyer right so so these suits go they lose then there are court costs and things and then she's she's being censured by federal judges for for as a officer of the court for going into court and saying things that are patently untrue as a lawyer you are not allowed to go into a court and make statements that are known to be untrue so i don't know how i feel about that though let yeah. me ask you this do you think like in a uh, in a death penalty or you know a homicide case a defense attorney if they ever actually know if their client did it or not and I well i think if they i mean so how does that apply to this? Well, I'm just so here's where I'm going with this. I mean, because let's, they're going to say my client is is innocent. innocent. And let's say I they don't even know. know if they ever say that. Do they say that? Does the oh, attorney yeah. say that? Well, they or file. Do they the present plea. evidence. Well, the the but the, again, so that would be the the defendant making the plea, not the lawyer. But let's here's if if the d- attorney knows for certain if their client did it, and then they are representing them in their defense case, is that? The same thing is is saying false statements. Well, I think if um, if an attorney uh, represented a murder suspect in a in a trial, and they and it could be proven that that attorney knows, in fact, that 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 the that the defendant is guilty, and if she makes statements in the court that he's not guilty. I think that could be a problem. So, but I don't think they make those kind of statements. Well, I, I don't know. I That's what I'm they, saying. I don't know how I, I feel about that. I think they present evidence, and then you're supposed to, you know, you're, you're their job is to prevent present evidence that that is considered by the jury or the judge, whoever's making the decision. And and I think if you go outside of the those parameters, I think you're you're. Don't you're you think that risk. happens all the time, though? Like, there's you hear about <laughs> trials where both. Uh, the prosecution and the defense want to make sure certain evidence doesn't get admitted or you can't hear from certain witnesses because obviously that's going to help or hurt their case. And I mean, I would just have to think like if you're the defense attorney, you're going to say something like my client had an alibi. He couldn't have done this because he was over there. <laughs> but if you know that the prosecution has evidence to say, no, he he could have made that trip in that amount of time. Is that the same thing as as preaching a false statement uh i don't know that's that's more a question for the junior attorney i'm trying to think it through here live on the air (laughs) 
I kind of lost the trail of thought there, but well, I, I mean, the point is, you know, when you made when you said that uh, the Trump attorney, I mean, listen, if I need to restate it, the election wasn't stolen. There's no, no, no fraudulent no, you election. You've been clear about, yeah. That. So, and and this, you know, of course, Trump is going to make those claims, and of course, there's going to have to be some attorney, I guess, procedurally to go in there and make that statement on his behalf. I mean, I think the problem is, is that. Um, you know, when you go into a court of law and you make false statements, you can be held accountable for it, you know. and uh, Isn't that I, called perjury? Well, I think it is, right? So, I mean, if you're an officer of the court and you perjure yourself by making statements you know to be false, I think you're you're at risk for that. But right? don't you think that's a very tough thing to prove? I think it is. I think it can be. But, I mean, so here's the thing, right? You're an attorney and you think you're – your criminal client is innocent of the charges. Whether he is or isn't, I don't think that's ever going to come back on you as right. the attorney, right? Your job is to present a vigorous defense and, and represent the best interests of your client in an adversarial courtroom situation. But when you're when you're when you're Sidney Powell and you're you're taking this big lie voting bullshit in the court you're at risk because you're the one promulgating the the lies in the court of law and you have a different responsibility than Joe Blow off the street who is yeah. entitled to their opinion but you go into court file a lawsuit right and then go in and make false statements about things that happened during the election that can be proven <laughs> that they were not and, the case. And, and I agree with that in yeah. theory. And of course, as a, as an attorney, you should be held to a higher standard. Yeah. Although I have to just think that that happens all the fucking time. Well, I think that, that in the case of Donald Trump, so this little rabbit hole was really like, okay, is he going to continue to use lawsuits as a way to bully people? That's his I primary just, weapon. I just heard about a $100 million lawsuit that Trump filed that is widely considered to be frivolous and should be thrown out. What was that one? I and think I'm I heard that to remember. Number. It was against um, reporters or something, right? I can't remember if it was one of the book authors. Uh, uh, oh, it's his goddamn niece. Yeah, right. right? Her memoir or yeah, something. Yeah. So that's that has no basis. That's that's going to get thrown out of court. And, and and you know, I would just think that the lawyers in that case, you know. I have to handle it in a certain way. I mean, here's the thing: Sydney Powell is a fucking moron, and I don't know Sydney Powell. Yeah, she's a, she's she is a terrible lawyer, right? And she's incompetent, and she well, maybe she, she stepped did, all did over. Did she win a lot? Maybe she's a good I don't lawyer. Think so. She stepped all over <laughs> her dick in in these court things. So she stepped over her dick. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that. Uh, since I guess that's appropriate in this day yeah. and age. She can identify as having a dick. Yeah, yeah, they. <laughs> Please refer to me as Don't they. we have to have a thing here in California? Maybe it's now. Maybe we talked about this. I don't remember. But all government employees are required to identify their, what's the word, their descriptor or pronoun, I think. Yeah, pronoun. Uh, in emails and all correspondence yeah. starting at a certain date. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody that listens to this knows ballpark how old I am, so it's no secret. I just successfully um, signed up for Medicare and- uh, so you turn sixty five. You have a you have a window. It's like a three month window, and it's on. Uh, it's a month on the before, during, and after you turn sixty five. Some horseshit like that. Anyway, you wanna you wanna you wanna sign up for Medicare, 
whether you have insurance or not. So the fact is I don't need Medicare right now. Uh, I have insurance through my employer and but I want I need to sign up so that for and then Medicare is broken to different parts and so part A is the one you want to sign up because if you don't sign up for it and say you work till you're um 65 and you're, you're a lawmaker yeah and then you try to sign up for it uh, the fact that you didn't register for it when you were sixty-five in that how is window, that a thing? What's the point? I don't of know. That? There's a there's a a, a, a lifetime penalty. So what the fuck are we doing with all these penalties? Well, they want people. The fuck to, is wrong? They with want us. people to register. I mean, they want people to sign up for it when they're supposed to. So um, so anyway, penalties. in the process of doing that, there were some things that um, I need to fill out. That of course, this is government stuff, right? So. They have to be so. I had this something where I noticed there were some choices, right? Mister, uh, uh, he, she, they, whatever. And you anything know, wacky? Well, I mean, all the wacky choices were there, right? How do you refer to a single person as they in 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 you know in a first person context? You remember when everybody used to make fun of Prince when he like changed his name to a uh, what was it a logo or something? What yeah. was his thing? Uh, yeah, he had a symbol. A symbol. That's what yeah, I'm thinking of. But he was ahead of the times, you right. know, with, by being progressive with all that shit. <laughs> but can you? I mean, what if you decide on what your your pronoun is now, and then you want to change it sometime in the future of your you, your I, Medicare needs? I guess you can do whatever you yeah, whatever you want. I guess when you go <laughs> in and they're expecting, you know, Mr. Watkins, and then you come in, you're like, we're all here. They they've I, arrived. I personally, and I don't want to offend anybody that is listening. Why not? That that because uh, <laughs> I never really give a shit anyway. Um, I just think that this is nonsense, right? I mean, I I I mean, I think you would. Th- it's so stereotypical that anybody my age would would say that this very progressive new way of looking at pronouns is nonsense. Uh, but I'm just going to say, because I'm never going to change my mind. It's never going to make sense to me. I think it's stupid. I think it's, I think it is distracting for the people that this applies to, for the people that do want to identify or have issues with their s- sexual gender identification. I think that when, when you get to issues like, you know, land blasting people for using in, you know pronouns, nobody can, number one, Nobody can understand this fucking shit. And nobody can keep up. Yeah, nobody cares. Right. It's one thing to... Only you care. The one that wants to be referred to as they or them. And I get it, you know, about inclusion and, and, you know, making sure everybody feels like they're welcome, but it's gone over the deep end. I don't know. Just pick one. I mean, if it's not he or she, then it should just be it and we can move on. Okay, we. I, I can't even keep up with all the various. No, it's not something I'm going to try to keep up with either. So, I mean, if I was a, if I was a social worker or you know some part of, if I was actually part of some government administration, if I was part of the Biden administration or, or something like that, I, I'd have to make more of an effort because when Kamala Harris uses the wrong pronoun or Joe Biden does, it's going to be a shit show. Right. And that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. And that's what I mean. For those people that that stuff applies to, it's distracting. And it's it it adds to the discourse of why their 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 why their shit is is 
is wrong. I don't. I'm not saying. This Speaking right. of distracting, can, yeah. can we also get rid of the sign language person who's like on, on the news conferences is doing the sign language? It's oh so God. fucking distracting. I constantly. So Debbie and I watch a lot of you know people from your podiums. heroes. Yeah, a lot of our Democratic heroes talk from podiums, and especially in California, you're going to have the fucking sign language person there. And they the rotate time. them out in shifts. Like Newsom, we never shuts up. They got like two or three <laughs> sign language people. bring them in because the arms are, are broke. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like harder than being a drummer for a rock band. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was uh, uh, scrolling through uh, uh, TikTok or Instagram or something, and I came across the clip of this, um, of this gal doing sign language at some state function where they found out afterwards – um, well, I, I often tell Debbie, right, when we're watching this stuff, go, how do you know that that's just not all bullshit? How right. do you know she's just not making all that shit up? Who who can tell? Nobody can tell. And Debbie will get mad at me like, wow, stop it. That's so wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And then, and sorry, Deb, for that terrible impression. <laughs> um, and then, and then, so I saw this and I, I think I probably sent it to her. She never replied. So um, anyway, it's this, it's this clip, this news clip of this gal just making the shit up on purpose. She's a lifelong con artist, right? She got I, paid for doing it. I remember right? hearing about that. Yeah, so um, I have to, I probably have it on my phone, so I'll find it. Anyway, I thought it was hysterical because, yeah, in fact, it looks legit, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it look. She looks. I mean, knowing that she's fake, it looks pretty fake. Yeah, but you know now. But at but the time, did, how many people did she fool? It doesn't look any, so. The way she was doing it is she was making sign, signs that were supposed to be like every syllable that was being spoken. That's not that's not how it really happens, right? So anyway, I think that whole thing is is just. Uh, I mean, for the people that need it, for deaf people, you know, it's fantastic. That's, that's it. Reminds great. me of that scene in uh, in Star Wars in Return of the Jedi when C three PO's telling the Ewoks about the history of the you know <laughs> fucking Darth Vader and he's got these big hand gestures and he's oh, making yeah. these sounds and <laughs> that's right. like, you don't know what the fuck he's saying I don't speak Ewok <laughs> that's right but it must be true yeah yeah you so, seem pretty credible oh my god so uh so let's see uh have is this our first podcast since the um um since the recall election I guess it might be it might be so just because uh, I don't think we've talked about this no. much, so just a quick review. Uh, uh, he's still the governor. So yeah, the we, we predicted failed. that one. Yeah, the recall failed. Um, Larry Elder is not now and <coughs> never will be elected official in this state. And what was the final thing? It was like a sixty-five percent. Yeah, it was a trouncing, right? It was a trouncing. It wasn't as close as I thought. What this is gonna right exactly me either. To be honest with you, um, what this is gonna translate to is. Um, they're going to change that he's process. He's going to go on. Well, I think, you know, Travis, were you, were you there? It was you and me talking with someone who has some kind of inside baseball. Yeah, on, on the future. And I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, I think we can look at, uh, 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 what's the governor's name? Newsom. Newsom. I think we can look at him maybe running for, you know, Senate. with Senate yeah. is what we were talking about. Um, which is good. I, I'd rather have him be a senator. He'll, he will work fine for what I I'd like to see in the Senate much better than being governor um, because I won't have to hear him that much. And then uh, I don't know exactly what that, I mean, I think we're, we're looking at Democrats as governors in the state for until we, until we fall off into the ocean, until we fall, until this is underwater, until we're Arizona Bay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I, you know, I I think I alluded to this uh, the last time we podcasted and I said I hadn't 
filled out my ballot, but I did. Did you get it in? I did. I got it in, and then. Uh, but you, you know, you were talking about what'd you call it? Ballot harvesting, where you had I three did. illegal ballots. <laughs> but you, did you notice on the form if you weren't going to be the one to personally turn it in, you had to sign it and say who the person was who was going to turn it in on your behalf. Uh, so I, I, my wife did it for me, I and I had notice. to put her name on there, and she said people were checking it. Where did she turn it in? Uh, there was a ballot drop-off place near our house. Well, I mean, if you take it into a early voting center or something, that applies. If you put it into the mailbox or a ballot box, that doesn't apply because there's no way for them to know. There's no, they don't no know checking. who anybody is. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, look uh, – it is, what did I just hear? So Taiwan has been in the news recently, right? So Taiwan is a, they came in as like, they scored like 84 out of 100 as far as being a, a successful democracy. They recently had an election with over 70% participation. And so it's like the model of democracy. Aren't they going to be under attack though? Well, here's the thing. Like I, I mean, it's, China. it's Chinese. I mean, the Chinese claim Taiwan. And so if if you, rec- as a government, if you recognize the government of Taiwan as independent from China, then you are you cannot do trade with China. So, so we, we don't do that. Well, we don't recognize Taiwan in that way. In fact, I think one of the first mistakes that uh, Trump made when he became president was to was to publicly announce that he had called the president of Taiwan. <laughs> but isn't that really is is that a mistake <clears throat> in the sense? It, what what's the right answer? Go back to your moral compass and what you say is hey, what, there's right and there's wrong. Is it right that Taiwan is an independent? Uh, what do you call it? Uh, what, what's well, the word? It's supposed I'm, to be independent. Yeah, but our, I'm thinking of China word. considers it part of a, a sovereign nation. Sovereign nation. Thank you. So is that the right answer, that they should be a sovereign nation? Well, I mean, what about Hong Kong? So, I mean, here's here's what we've had for a long time, two systems. Right? Hong Kong was supposed to be, you know, separate but equal. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be separate. The two-party, the two-system situation. But even Hong Kong, I mean, so I don't know anything about Taiwan, but, but Hong Kong was officially – turned over from the British to the Chinese in 1997 I believe. Oh wow. And and Did there they... and there was a a an end date to the to that period where they're supposed to be an autonomous nation. I want to say it's 2025 or 35 something coming, coming up, up yeah. to where hey this kumbaya session is going to end. Right. Now obviously the 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 shit on China is that they've kind of ignored a lot of that all along the way and they're taking steps to undo that before the agreed-upon right. date. But everybody knows that the end is coming. They've certainly cracked down on Hong Kong, which right. which puts the future of Taiwan you know, in, in question, right? But, but did, more did, than before. So The people of Taiwan, was there some type of agreement, or did they just break off and say, we don't recognize belonging to China? I do not know. I, I think that Taiwan has always been a, 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 a sovereign nation, and that at some point, China just because they're right off the coast, China just said, "Hey, this is part of China. It always has been, and always will be." And I don't think anybody's in a position to buck that. I mean, I don't see the United States going to war over China. No, I'm over. But Taiwan. when you were a kid and you got, you know, whatever your favorite pair of shoes, and it said "Made in China" or "Made in Taiwan," <laughs> did you have a preference? You want to know something? Up until I heard this story about how well democracy is working in Taiwan. 
I've always been a li- here's three things that have always confused me. Hong Kong. Where's Taiwan? Well, Hong Kong, <laughs> Singapore, and Taiwan. Uh, what are they? <laughs> Frankly, I don't know. Hong Kong of late, you know, especially there were the riots and things in Hong Kong and that all, they got that shoved down their, their you know, throats and, and that, there, there's backlash there. So nobody's doing anything and nobody will do anything. So Hong Kong's a lost deal. And uh, Singapore is China, right? I, no, no. No, is it separate? No, it's separate. Is it a city or a nation? Singapore. That's a nation. Okay. And then Taiwan is a country, is a, is a, for now, island, yeah, on into its own. So I've always been a little bit unclear about what those things were. Was Taiwan a city in China? I didn't know. I didn't care. So what, what's, you know, you said 70% participation in the election. Yeah. Is that, you know, fake news in the sense that the, the, you know, they're trying to say that this is a, uh, a story of success, but really, you know, it's not, and they're going to be captured by China any day now. Well, we're we're in a we're in a period of democratic recession worldwide, right? So, democratic recession. Yeah. Meaning- so what that means is that that um, whatever the time period is that they get, I can't remember what it is in the last ten years or two years or whatever. More countries have abandoned Dictators. democracy than than embraced it yeah what do you make of that well i mean i think it's the worldwide move toward authoritarianism and autocracy um that uh you know we see that we saw evidenced here in the trump election that we see in venezuela in the biden administration with, with you know biden administration <laughs> no we do we see it everywhere no I, what I, do you make of these fucking no, here, australians look, here, here, you see these australians beating people in the street for not wearing masks uh i didn't i haven't really seen that oh so. it's, it's like all over the news is that the government or is that the, other well, the, the footage is the police. Oh, the police police are literally strangling people and throwing them to the ground and and beating them because they're not wearing masks because you can't have like even a, a, a an assumption of one COVID case there or they lose their shit. I don't know. You know, it, you know these. Uh, here's a term that people are not probably too familiar with: biosecurity. So it's not something we embrace, but when you have island nations such as New Zealand, Australia, um, Hong Kong, different things, biosecurity uh, gets to be a big deal, and so. There's a mindset there that that would that that would play less well in the United States, right? It's like, um, okay, for for the good of our country's biosecurity, you can't have this or that or do this or that or bring this or that into the country. Typically, this is going to be in reference to you know invasive insects and invasive plant species and things like that. But I think that mindset. It's pretty ingrained in Australia, and so when they transfer that to to something like the pandemic, the COVID thing, I can see where it might get a little out of hand. Where it it can get a little authoritarian. And don't you think that that mindset is a little outdated? It's very old school. It's not progressive to think that – like, for example, I was reading an article this morning about the U.S. has officially declared some – I don't know, it was either 20 species extinct. And I started to read the list. It's like these fucking bullshit woodpeckers that you never heard of, or don't care about, some other bird that no one's ever seen and that you just read about. It's like, uh-huh. you know, I get it. Let thing, let old ideas die. We're going to have new species. <laughs> We're going to have new things. And so when it comes to whatever, uh. we, we have to take these steps so that we can't have one COVID case or one invasive insect come in here. Fuck, let's mix it up a little well, bit, see know, what happens. For us, you know, invasive, invasive insects and endangered species are – 
you know, very um, uh, sensitive issues because of of our core um, uh, businesses that we're in. So, um, yeah, you know, I I don't. I mean, I think it has to be done on a case by case basis, right? I mean, you have to think of the good of the population in areas. I mean, we see seen things up in the San Francisco Delta where you know really stupid actions have been taken by far left wing environmental nut job groups because uh, some uh, uh, yellow throated dicks gupper or something is being something no one's ever heard of. Yeah, that doesn't and nobody will clearly never nobody, put a man on the moon. Nobody gets. Yeah, we'll never put a man on the moon. Nobody that nobody really but but you know it's like every it's like you can't protect every species, right? right? Um, including humans. But things that, but then then there's that's a slippery slope including humans. That's a slippery slope where where you're like, okay, so we don't really care about the mud scupper or something in the delta in the, up in San Francisco. But we're all going to be really sad if there are no more tigers or something. Right? Really? Yeah. Listen, have you? You're ever, not going to be sad. If have there you are no ever more seen tigers? a dinosaur in real life? <laughs> have you ever seen a real dinosaur? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Are you well adjusted? Yes. Are you, Are you not fucked up because you have never seen yes, a dinosaur? I, no, I surrender. <laughs> so if if the children of the future never see a tiger, are they going to be mentally destroyed? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I watch and read a lot of science fiction and, uh, one of the common themes in a genre of science fiction called, uh, 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 near history earth is that all those things are gone and that the people in those times have never seen them. Right. And, and, uh, uh, it's a sad, it's a sad scenario. Right? Is it? Well, I mean, I, I think that the problem is that the, our our environment benefits from the widest amount of diversity possible in the animal kingdom. And we just are not, we do not have the capability to understand what the downstream effects are of um, extinctions, right? That, that, um, and and so I think that look are some extinctions inevitable? Apparently they are, right? There were no humans around in the day of the dinosaur, right. so we did not play a part. Here's a good thing about watching dinosaur documentaries: at no point while you're amazed by the nature of it and the you know the the magnificence of the dinosaur, are you clubbed over the head by um, some ninety year old uh, naturalist? <laughs> Telling you how the dinosaur extinction is your fucking fault because you're an inconsiderate piece of shit that likes to drink water out of plastic bottles that can never be <laughs> disintegrated in the landfill. Um, so that's good. So yeah, some things go extinct anyway, right? So I've including heard so- humans, we're going to be extinct, <laughs> don't you think? Well, I won't know. Right. Either I'm dead or we're extinct. But the next intelligent life that either inhabits this planet or comes after us, and they say, you know, there was this thing called the humans, the Homo sapien, sometime a million years ago. And, you know, that's interesting. We'll never see them. We'll just be part of the history books like dinosaurs. It's possible. Does something, I mean, do we have an extinction level event or, or, well, let's say it's climate change. You know, 
situation like climate change. I saw something. that that is other story in the news about if you're under 40, get prepared for the most catastrophic heat Tough. waves you've ever seen because it's you know going to be part of your life that you've never experienced before. That's very depressing. Those kind of thoughts, right? I mean, it's depressing and it's true, but it's also not the first word that comes to my mind because, like you said, you won't be around to see it. I won't be around to see it. It'll be hot. We'll, well find I won't a pool. Be. You might. No, shit's not going to change in that short order. And not for my kids. And if I'm lucky enough, if they have kids and I'm a grandpa, probably not for them either. Oh, I don't know. I think you're, you might be stretching that out a little too no far. No way. That might be a little bit too much. Um, All this, the, it, there's there's certainly truth to the science and the rhetoric and, well, let's and think the about solutions. It. Let's think about but it's not it. as if, catastrophic as If you have saying. children under five years old right now, or in that general area. So let's think about it. They're five now in 2021. So in 2031, they're 15. In 2041, they're um, uh, 25. 25. Right? <laughs> Stop so there. It's as fast as we can go on our there's, there's heads. A, yeah. There's a lot of shit that is supposed to happen by it's not. 2050. Right? So It's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you it's not. Well, I mean, some of it's going to happen unless... We make some decisions. It, it is going to happen, but it's going to be, I don't even want to use the word immeasurable because, of course, the scientists are going to measure it, but it will be unnoticeable. Uh. If, if, if Malibu you know, Beach is three more inches underwater, no one's going to fucking notice that. <laughs> three inches. I don't think that's the <laughs> it projection. Is. Let's take something else. If it's five that, degrees hotter, yeah. I'll just sit under a bigger shady well, let's tree. Take, let's take something else. Great segue. So big shady trees. Let's let's talk about the sequoias in uh, the Northern California. What is that? Arizona. Have you ever Nevada. seen a sequoia? Uh, no, but I'd like to. <laughs> right. So these are the biggest, oldest trees on the planet. These are the biggest, like a hundred year plus the, old, right? Oh, they're th- it could be three thousand. No old. shit. Yeah. So the, shows you the, what I know. The giant sequoias um, can be forty feet around, right? And they, uh, we have lost a bunch of them in this recent spate of fires, fires in, in Northern California and up into the, whatever, whatever borders us up in Northern. Is it Nevada that borders us all the way up? Yeah, Nevada. Northern? Yeah. And yeah. okay. that where the fires So were. it's, it's the Nevada, California border where the Sequoia National Forest crosses the, the, the boundary. And up there, um, so these trees have lived through a hundred maybe hundreds of fire seasons, right? Maybe even thousands. Some of them could get to be quite old. And fire, and, and here's the thing, the sequoias can only reproduce through fire. So it you need a certain amount of heat for the seed pods to open up on a sequoia and for them to drop seeds in, into the ground and then new sequoias to grow. So what's happening is um, we've lost hundreds of sequoias up there in the recent fires they're still standing because they're they're 200 feet tall right so they don't have any branches that catch fire so typically they 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 withstand forest fires pretty well and the naturally occurring forest fires or the fires that were being conducted by native americans uh, before we got here in those areas were beneficial to the forest um they did a couple of different things. They they obviously allowed the sequoias to pot, seed pots to open. They cleared low brush, which which makes it you know make, makes the makes it much more conducive for fires. But the other thing that happens is is that um, 
that little brush, if you, if it's not cleared by fire, becomes fuel. Uh, becomes fuel, and then the sequoia seeds drop from from the brush from the fires that do happen, <clears throat> and they grow too dense. So the fire be, the the forest becomes too dense. The, the giant sequoias are too close to each other, and so um, so what happened is in the uh, early part of our American experiment. Fire suppression became the the thing. The goal was to have no forest fires. This is before they understood. Yeah, like Smokey the Bear shit. Exactly, Smokey the Bear shit. That's exactly the time period. So that has changed the density and the makeup of the of of the Sequoia National Forest. And so now, when the fires burn, the trees, the trunks become their 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 bark is a foot thick. Right? Isn't that crazy? Yep. And so now those trees are dying. When these fires happen, they don't withstand the fire. They, they're they so damaged, the trunk, that bark is so damaged that the tree dies. So now you have a 200-foot dead sequoia. Um, that is sad to me, right? And I Sounds think, like a lot of log cabins that can be oh, built out of that. Oh, my God. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I think that so you know, what's the, that's what, what, climate change. Right? I mean, that this is this is the downstream effect of of things, and so I mean, I just think that I get it. I totally understand your position, and often feel that way, especially being in the uh, pesticide type business. And uh, so you know, species extinctions for microbes and little insects and different things. But here's the problem. We just do not understand the downstream cumulative effects of these things. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't want, I mean, it's not going to affect me, right? It doesn't, it, it's not going to affect my life whether sequoias live or die. I would like to be able to go see one sometime. Go see one. If I ever retire. Yeah, maybe but, your window is closing. Well, I mean, I'm sure it is, you know, I mean, a 40 foot, around a tree with a 40 foot base be pretty awesome um but uh right now if i was to go up there right now and that part of where the fires are burned what i'd see would be you know 20 or 30 giant sequoias with completely blackened bark trunks and dead to boot no foliage at all and never coming back but you know my comments are merely just an acknowledgement that that's happening. Like I'm not advocating for killing trees or no, of course you know, whatever, not. Of course but you know, not. the thing is that all of these changes will, will continue to happen and they will increase by some, you know, multiple, some X factor as time goes on generation after generation that we won't know about. And it's going to take time, you know, whether it's hundreds of years or thousands of years, maybe humans, while we're still on this planet, can and will do things that will positively positively impact, you know, the, the planet and or slow down some of these uh, threats. I don't know. Well, I think. All know, I'm saying is if Malibu Beach is three inches <laughs> further underwater, no one's so going to give a shit. We don't. We, you and I personally are mad at Malibu because they're. <laughs> They're getting up in our business yeah. and we're sick. And I try it. never to go there. Malibu, Ventura, fuck them, really. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you, do you think, uh, I was thinking about this too. It seems to me like there's, you use the word, uh, you know, anti-democracy kind of w around the world. Recession. Demo democracy. Democratic recession. Re recession. Yeah. Yeah. But doesn't it seem like government is, is a larger part of people's lives, not just here in the U.S., but all over the world, more so than than we can really ever remember. And we talk about, you know, we're in into the 
thick of it. We're interested in the politics. You know, we have always right. been, and we turned it into a podcast. And I understand there are people who are normies and don't really pay attention right. or give a shit. Right. But you can't, you, you kind of have to be in the sense that government is just such, they're so entrenched in our lives and everything that we do. And maybe that's just me, but my feeling to it is it's more so than it's ever been. Well, I think I, I'd have to agree with that. And so what that makes me think of is, <clears throat> you know, sometimes, and I don't know if we've ever talked about it here, we need to concentrate more on the things we have in common than the things we don't have in common. I don't mean you and me. I mean all of us, right? And so what we're seeing is an autocratic authoritarian drift across the world of world governments and so you know it depends what you're how you're looking at it right if you're looking at it in a short window of time it's pretty scary i mean when you see the amount of countries that are giving over to a, a autocratic or authoritarian rule right. um it's scary now and but what's the root cause and i think that the root cause travis is that is that things are complicated now and we know more things than we used to because of media and the access to information. And, and so I think what the tendency for people is, and let's not, I'm not going to even say, I'm not going to say one country or another. I think all people, the tendency is when things get more complicated and more scary or less stable, I think the tendency for people is to want somebody to take a strong hand to the situation and keep it stable. And so I think that's why we're seeing, because here's the thing, democracy and rule by the people can be messy. It's not clean cut. It doesn't always go in a straight line. And uh, that, that can be, perceived by people in different parts of the world as chaotic and dangerous. I think you're right about that. And what, what really just boggles my mind is, I think all of that is, is what's happening, but why do people assume that they're gonna, that the government is going to handle things better? Why put all your faith... Like, that's the opposite of how I think. When shit's going crazy and there's instability or whatever, my reaction is self-preservation. <laughs> the only one that can navigate out of this mess is me. Nobody I trust more than me. Well, there's nobody I, I trust less yeah, than the government. I don't think that that – I think that there are a lot of people that just don't come to that conclusion, right? So I think what we're seeing is a, 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 a divide among people that – so I think there are a bunch of people that just want somebody to handle it and make it all right – um, and I do think that that is a dangerous trend. I think as Americans, we kind of rail against that. I think that uh, the phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, comes to mind here for me. Um, so I get that your, your feeling that you just expressed, and, and we can probably tie that to other people who are less savory, I, can, I must say, like the Trump base or whatever. I think... It's all kind of related, right? I think that what you're seeing in the United States is is the rise of a lot of people who think that that it, like that, but take it to an extreme. All government is bad. All all of that stuff is bad. We need to keep sight that democracy in this government 
has been formulated after a lot of experience around the world with authoritarianism. And this is an experiment to see if we can do it different. When are we going to stop calling it an experiment? Well, because it's only a couple hundred years old. I know, but I at mean, what point do we graduate? I mean, didn't the Greeks, didn't that go on for a couple thousand years? Yeah, but did something? we ever call it an experiment? Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> but I think, I think while you were in it, well, while you were a Greek citizen, um, uh, you thought it was permanent, right? And I think that we have come to realize through a little longer view on history um, that that these governments are not necessarily forever. Well, and, I don't think any government is, right? So, including so ours. So it is an experiment, and we need to keep working. I mean, here's the thing: you can't. You just. I mean, we. There's so many different ways to say this. You have to be vigilant. You, you, you can't. You can't just relax. You can't just turn your head and said, and say, "Oh, I hate politics, and I hate this, and I hate the Democrats, and I hate the Republicans," and then use that as an excuse to be not not involved. I mean, I think the fact that that a democracy in Taiwan, setting next to the biggest authoritarian government and threat in the world, is an example of of as an example of one of the most successful democracies on the planet. Is because the people are involved. And but why are we not calling cards. their democracy, which is younger than ours? I think, we are, I think uh, we are calling it an I mean, I think you could call it an experiment, right? It's one that has a bit of a <laughs> foregone conclusion because it's next to the to what is, you know, now the, the most possibly the most powerful. It's certainly the most powerful autocracy yeah. on the planet, right? And so, I mean, look at what's going on in China right now. There's, a, I don't know how many people are following this, but there's a huge crackdown. And um, so they first started out with cracking down on what kind of tutors you can have your children mm -hmm. use, right? And then to the information companies and to... to so Cryptocurrency, they, to they, now they're targeting the entertainment industry. And they, they have decided that economic prosperity will not be more important than national interests. And so they look at things like social media, uh, entertainment, um, uh, different things as, as they, I mean, they're looking at, at, at like how, I mean, do you know that they just put a pause on something at Facebook called, no, at, yeah, at Facebook, Instagram for children. Who did this? Instagram, Facebook. I mean, it's owned by Mark Zuckerberg, right? Yeah, yeah. He he did what? <clears throat> they have put a pause on some on a project that Instagram has announced a couple of years ago. <clears throat> Instagram for children. That's right? a good idea. No, it's a terrible to put idea. the pause on it. Yeah, to put the pause on. Yeah, it. but in, but um, not going to get any clapping from me or high fives from me because you put the fucking pause on the worst idea you've ever had. Well, they did it because China made them it. do it. Well, no, but here's the thing. Where are you uh, going with this? Well, <laughs> so as our social media platforms and so forth run unregulated, right? The the polar opposite is happening in China because they've looked at unregulated, uncontrolled social media and say, hey. This is bad for children. This is bad for the country. We're we're going to stop it, and they have. They've stopped it. Yeah, and some of those examples are good, but right. some of them are are not. Oh well, I mean, they're I'm, an intrusion on individual happiness I'm, and liberty. I'm not I'm not advocating that we do what China does. What yeah, I'm trying to say is that is that um, they there's the opposite, right? There's the authoritarian thing. Some people think that's what they want. I mean. Everybody that voted for Trump 
thinks that's what they want. They wanted, I mean, that's what they're, that's where they're, that's, that's what's causing this, this, this lean toward um, authoritarianism governments around the country, to, around the world to happen right now. This was causing the democratic recession. I'm not saying it's permanent. I, I mean, things go back and forth, right? The pendulum swings, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we just have to look at this for what it's worth. But, but it doesn't mean that, that, democ- that democracy has to, we just need to keep working on it in this country without just giving up. Right. And, and we need to look at what we what we have in common. Right. We all want our liberties. We all want our civ- civil liberties. Right. But it has to be a balance between our civil liberties and regulations that that are good. So in this example, you know, China's answer to this is to just clamp down on it and cut it off. Right. And they're just cutting you know, TikTok and WeChat and all this shit off at the knees. Um, and there's no Facebook in China, right? So that's fine with me. But in the, in the United States, we don't have to do that. We do need to have political oversight to create regulations for this for social media because it's not social media that's inherently bad. It's unregulated, unbridled social media that tends to drift toward terrible ideas like Instagram for children. Yeah, but I think I, I you you're, you as you're describing kind of this balance right between right. individual liberties and regulation. I see it more as a blend between individual liberties and yes, there's an element of what's good for society and for everybody. But I don't think the solution is with government. And I'll give you an example. <laughs> Do you know on this uh, Instagram for children? I don't need. I would never need government to regulate that because my kids would never have Instagram for children. I just wouldn't allow it as their parents. So there's, there is regulation there. There is a layer of protection, but it comes from me, not from the government. Well, un, unregulated social media has so far proved to be a net negative for society, um, especially for younger I, people, I think, especially for I know why women. you say that, and yes, there are examples of that, but I don't think it's uh, it's all of that. I mean, look at look at all the businesses that have been created by social media and job opportunities and the positives that have been created out of that out of that platform. Well, I mean, uh, you know, out of the businesses that have been created out of social media, like what, like. Facebook, like, Amazon, like Instagram. a lot of people rely on social media for sales to drive sales revenue to their businesses. That's how they network. That's how they advertise right, new right, products. Right, but but unregulated, right? That there are issues uh, issues that so unregulated that situation causes issues to come up that that are not. That have not been dealt with yet, right? But therein lies the kind of the moral question, which we alluded to a while ago, is at what level of risk are you willing to accept? And there's, you know, ramifications. There's You called it a net negative. Yes, there are negatives, but at some point we can't make it totally pure where there's there's no risk at all with having that no. technology. So what's the acceptable level of risk? But there's a huge difference between, between no risk and, you know, regulating the in the you know those industries so that the risks are lessened. I mean, this therein lies the the challenge. I mean, it's nothing is. 
I don't, I just don't, I get a feeling like you, if you can't, you're saying that, hey, if you can't flip a switch and make it, make it, uh, risk free, then don't do it. I don't understand. You know, and I'm not saying that, but that oftentimes that is kind of what, what comes out of it. You know, it's like we gotta, we gotta control every piece of this. We have to control every movement. We have to, you know, make sure nobody gets hurt here. And that's just not a reality. Well, look, I think that, that what I'm seeing in, in the, society in american society right now is is a pushback on that uh, a lack of a of a willingness to participate in it right it's like hey it's too much trouble to to stay vigilant and and regulate things correctly if we can't just turn it over to somebody and let them take care of it where we don't have to be involved and it all magically happens then then nothing then just then don't regulate it at all and just i mean if you want to see what happens when you remove all the regulation from from a governing body just take a look at texas right i mean they're out of fucking control and you know they killed seven or eight hundred of their own citizens with their stupid unregulated non-regulation removal of regulations from their power grid and so forth they just keep looking the Texas, right? They're, they're going to show you the, the way not to do everything. Yeah, but that's a stretch, though. I mean, I get it. And Texas has a lot of disasters going on there, but they're not having, you know, bloodshed in the street. They're not, you know, there's no yeah. civil war. I mean, yeah, right. Maybe. But there's it's not literally on the verge of collapse. And I think that's a, there's not an exact cause and effect of the regulated or unregulated well, the people power. That, the grid. people that died during the winter in Texas through the ineptitude of the of the state government there and, and how they regulated and run their power. But there's I, again, that's there's not a direct cause and effect there. You know what I do when it's cold? I start a fire. I put a blanket on. <laughs> when Travis sees my my forehead go down on the microphone, he knows he knows uh, he's winning because I, I just don't have any comeback. So, well, when, I think I think all of that kind of ties together, Travis. I mean, I think. I think that there's there's there is a place in the middle between no regulation and that's true and over regulation. So let right? me ask you this. Yeah. When this country's democracy or government collapses, not if, but when in, in, in ten years, in fifty years, in five hundred years, uh-huh. will we consider that a failure? Will we consider it a, a failed experiment or or will we say that we evolved to something maybe better? Well, I, I mean, I guess that remains to be seen. I mean, if 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 the United States of America and our democracy, our republic, and our democracy falls into ruin and chaos, I think it's a failure. If it evolves into something more refined or better, that then that's great. I mean, I think that the we just have to keep our eye on some of the some of the things that are important, right? And and so people tend to give up liberties in exchange for security. So as things around the world get more scary, less stable, it's you're going to see a real tendency for the public to allow or move toward authoritarian. I know that's so scary. Well, I mean that's just what I'm trying to say. So the problem with that is you can't abandon all government because you think that that Yes, that would be bad if if the if the people of the United States allow their government to become authoritarian, then um, you know, then that's going to be sad. But it doesn't have to be that way. We, in in the answer, 
is not eliminate government. That's that's the problem. This because you said something earlier about hey, let's dumb it down so people can understand it. Well, it's not a choice between no government or government. It's that's not the choice. But when you look at how things are becoming polarized, there's this group of people that that want to say anything that is done by government is bad, and that's just not true. That's just that's just dumb. I know that's not what you're saying, yeah, Travis. And I think the the biggest, yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But no, I think the not. biggest factor oh. here is we've just become too big. I've said this before: government is too big, and and the people oh. there's too many people in this country. You all right? You know, we didn't <laughs> tell this story, but so I. Uh, yesterday after uh, leaving, a, I was in a parking structure, and I managed to trip and take a header. And so at um, uh, this is a header. If I had done this when I was 20, and I totally could. I've always been a little on the clumsy side. Um, uh, I would have been fine, right? But now ballpark 20 hours later, uh, just because I took a header and fell down on the ground and, you know, did my uh, my tuck and roll and, yeah. Do you know how to fall? Do you know how to yeah. break your fall? And- yeah. Yeah. You put my arm up, almost broke my arm. So here's the thing. Every muscle in my body hurts. So <laughs> as we're sitting here and I, I'm leaning over toward the microphone, and then when I kind of move back to and try to raise my arms, every muscle in my goddamn body is sore right now. So. <laughs> Uh, I could, you want a cocktail? I could make you something yeah, to make you just, feel better. Uh, heroin. It would really <laughs> be the best. Hey, um, I'm going to take a quick change yeah. of subject here. So something we've talked about in the past, and I'm watching a show on uh, one of the streaming networks uh, about nine people that go to a resort um, and – or not – yeah, is it nine people? I guess it's nine people total that go to a resort um, and – they uh so nicole kidman is the main Mm. character in this and so they go there and then they are without their knowledge being microdosed with um psilocybin nice right and uh and other medications such as mda where is this can i go there yeah well it's supposed to be in some place in uh northern california called cabrillo where there's no such place well, it's actually filmed in, what a surprise, Australia. <laughs> it's Nicole Kidman, right? So um, it's about, I think it's about nine episodes. So it's like one episode per person. They kind of focus a little bit more. Anyway, we've talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. And there are actually, there are actually, apparently, there are actually places you can go and participate I know. in this micro dose I've told you business, this. It's right? like Jamaica, the Netherlands. Yeah, it's not going to be here. Costa Rica. <laughs> so very interesting that there's a whole TV show about this. Um, and I don't know if they're promoting it or not because I think it's a limited series. It's only X amount of episodes, right? So I think I'm going to watch the last one tonight. So I think we'll we'll understand what the message is. Well, here's the message. The message is, and yeah. I think it's, I've seen previews. Is it HBO? Uh, it isn't HBO. Uh, it is. It could be Hulu. I, I think okay. it might be Hulu. I just recently, uh, through the uh, very uh, kind graces of our uh, uh, niece and nephew, they're sharing their Hulu. Yeah, you don't want to say that out loud. They're going to crack down on that. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, or they're not. Uh, they're, I didn't say that. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's 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 pretty awesome. I. I uh, every day I move towards uh, closer toward cutting the cord with AT and T, and 
because uh but Hulu is pretty interesting. So liking it. You know, I have I have uh Netflix, I have Prime. You're gonna have, I have them Hulu. all Hulu. I have the Peacock for what it's worth, not much. Um HBO and uh Hulu now. And uh those are the ones that I and then the AT and T um, you know, whatever you call it, package, bundle, whatever. It's got the, the shit local, nobody watches. Local, local station. But here, here's the message of, of that show. The message is, I haven't seen it, uh-huh. but the message is that nobody should tell you what to put in your body. And that goes for vaccines, and that goes for drugs, and that should, goes for putting people in jail. Should they tell you ahead of time if they're putting it in your body? <laughs> well, you know, that's uh, questionable. <laughs> what do they do in Taiwan? Well, here's the you? thing. Yeah, on this show... When everybody figures out that they're being microdosed, nobody says stop. Yeah, because they're all happy. They're they're like, well, you that's not right. You shouldn't be doing that. But uh, uh, give me another. Well, one. if you don't want any more of it, you're perfectly. Yeah, no. Go ahead, put it. <laughs> let's keep putting it in my smoothie, and then you know. So it's pretty interesting. So, so do you think that like the anti-vaxxers, that's what they're worried about? Is you know, hey, they're going to be putting this stuff into us. Wow. And we don't know, and you see, there is some element of. It's not a direct microchip or mind control. It's just a, a sedation, if you will, where I, we're now reliant on the I on the government. I can't say I have any further, deeper understanding of the the, the vaccine resistance that we're seeing. Um, we are second only behind Russia in the world as far as what as far as vaccine resistance we have more vaccines people than who who will not get the vaccine yeah, people resistance how can that be a thing in russia can't putin just say you will get the vaccine and you know that's a good question and i'm no russian expert but i think that uh <clears throat> i think that you know many things there although that's a full-blown autocracy and and uh, there's uh, some facade of democracy, but it's not real. But I mean, I don't think that I don't think they're down to controlling the, the like North Korea or something, right? They're, the people there have to maintain some sustainable life, right? And, and, and or perception of that. Yeah, I mean, I think that in North Korea, it's it's different. It's like you might as well be in prison. I mean. It's so uh, controlled, and and it, they do it with hunger, and they do it with fear. You think those people are happy though? Like, do you think North Korea? Like, they no. don't know what they don't know. I don't think they're happy at all. I you mean, hear I, stories about people from North Korea who you know meet journalists or whatever from you know the Western world, or they can somehow you know travel on a on a student visa or something, and they're like blown away. They never knew that any of that shit existed because it's all screened and shielded, and they, and they don't know any different. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that they've never seen the dinosaur. I mean, if you were if you were going to measure the happiness of of North Korea population, I I don't think that it would be high up there, right? Is there are there things they don't know about that they you know that they're probably not unhappy about because like they the, don't the know family about, the the they don't know a lot of shit. Right? They they're it's like what is it the uns is that their how you refer to them? The Uns the and the Ills? Kim Jong-un? And oh, the, the dynasty? The dynasty, which is now, what, on its third generation? I don't know. Kim Jong-un is uh, on Ginny Craig or something. Yeah, he's he looking lost, good. He lost some weight. He's still got- oh, I, don't, I don't think that guy can ever look good. <laughs> well, he's got to ditch like he, the priest outfit and get a different thinner. haircut. Well, I mean, yeah. You think the priest outfit is intentional? Because what I was thinking is it's very Jesus-like. It's very- is it? 
Well, I mean, the, the people there, I, I think you're right. There are conditions that they're not happy with. There was a famine, what, in the 90s yeah, or something? I, mean, I don't think people but, that don't But get it's very religious. Eat. They they worship that dude and the dynasty. They got like pictures yeah. of the family on their ho- in their houses. Yeah. And to them, it's, it's, it's like fucking religion. As far as you know. <laughs> but, I mean, here's do, the thing. do you think secretly somebody who's got the picture of the dynasty family on their wall is like, fuck this guy? Oh, I think when they when when somebody gets out of that country, you can hear. I mean, I've heard several people that have made it out and then you know talk about what it was like. I think that I think they know that they're you know being subjugated and that they're fucked. I think when they get out, they, there's a whole bunch of things they find out that they didn't know. But I think uh, it's all about fear and control. And, you know, it's it's just a really sad situation. Another failed nation-building project for the United so States. So even like, uh, you know, with the whole Afghanistan thing in the last couple of weeks. Right. That's going on right now for yeah, there's a hearing. reference, right? Yeah, yeah there's a, I don't even understand. This is so ridiculous. This is the shit about government, our government, that this, I can't look, stand. Dude, this is oversight, right? This is what's supposed to happen. Yeah, but if it's oversight, shouldn't it have happened beforehand? Like, no, look, I'm not no criticizing. oversight happens after. The that's fact. called Monday morning quarterbacking. No, it's called oversight. <laughs> Oversight. <laughs> oversight. Oversight is we should have looked over this before we did anything. <laughs> Look, I think it's working the way it's supposed to work. And I mean, I mean, the only the only people that are taking any kind of beating on this stuff is the Biden administration. Uh, right. And, and I think and, it's and, nonsense. Well, I mean, I I don't for me, I am. I think this is an, the essential function of a working Republican democracy where the military is controlled by civilian oversight. And and I think it's good to hear our military generals say, hey, um, I will follow any legal order from the civilian authority, right? If they give me illegal orders, I won't follow I'm it. I'm good with all of that. But yeah. what's the point of having this hearing after the fact? Well, because this was, I mean, the withdrawal of yeah. it from Afghanistan was kind of a clusterfuck. Do yeah. I think it was ever going to happen without any loss of life or everything was going to be perfect? No, but I right. think I think we need to hear if it was bad, if there were bad consequences, bad, uh, bad consequences, there were. There were. right, for us there being there, then we need to hear it. I mean, I think that what comes out of these hearings is that the military has not been as forthcoming to the civilian authorities over the whole 20-year period as they should have been. And I think the only way you establish that are through these oversight hearings. And and, and so that going forward, we can make changes or, you know, make orders. But the truth is that even if we make changes, it's irrelevant because the commander in chief, the sitting president, gets to declare all of their movements. He gets to say what we're going to do, and they got to follow all of his legal orders, right? Um, y- yes, I mean, uh, I mean, and then even there, there's a point, right? I mean, what General Milley is explaining in these hearings is that what he did was not done in secret; was done out in the open, and was part of his he's not part of the chain of command this is the the what is his official he's the uh joint he's the chief of staff or no he's the joint chief of staffs or something whatever something. The fuck, you know i'm forgetting the he's name. the office of inspector general no <laughs> <laughs> he's uh but here's the thing right he what he 
what he did at the end of the Trump administration was try to keep things stable and calm with with China, who could have very easily been led to believe that we were on the verge of attacking them. If for no other reason, just so Trump could cause a, uh, a problem that would screw up the transfer of power. And, and so I think that, um, you know, I mean, he, he obviously was not the biggest Trump fan ever. So of course he is the object of the, of the current. Does that make you feel better when you see like a high ranking general who was not a, a fan of the former president in this case, Trump, do you feel like, does that give you faith or confidence in the military that they can be neutral, if you will? Well, I mean, neutral. Um, I think that for me, I feel as if, as far as General Milley goes, that he performed his function. He's part of the chain of communication. He's not part of the chain of command, right? He couldn't stop an order or give an order that would start or stop a war. He could do the things Tell people, that he get did. under your desks. Yeah, well, he could do the things that he did that he's testified to that you know, to try to stop a misunderstanding, you know, between nuclear powers. I mean, I think that's part of his job. But even still, like, so what I heard, the big takeaway was that, I don't know if it was one of these generals or three of them, the the consensus was, hey, we were in favor of the withdrawal, but we would have left like 2,500 troops there or something like that. Well, somebody asked, somebody asked General Milley specifically, right? He recommended to the the Joint Chiefs of Staff recommended to President Biden that he leave 2,500 military personnel in Afghanistan. And he didn't do it. And he didn't do it. And somebody asked Millie, why when when why didn't you resign when when that became evident? He goes, that's not how it works. Right. It, it's it, it's the president makes these decisions. He, you know, for me to resign because he didn't follow make my, my decision. He didn't follow my advice. He goes, I'm not the military doesn't make these decisions. I gave the president my opinion my advice as a he's the military advisor and to the president who, who was that remark coming from the question about why didn't you resign who asked that i don't know was it a republican fox news it was a republican I right i really don't know i would imagine so yeah, wh- yeah. what i heard you know I, I listened to a little bit of it that was i think yesterday yeah. and it was like all the criticism it was yesterday about again it's monday morning quarterbacking uh, of course they gave the recommendation to biden he he's getting all the information from all the available sources, and he's got to be the one to decide. And I'm sure within his own cabinet, there were people on others, you know, both sides of the fence who who had different opinions. And he's got to be the one to go to sleep at night and make the decision. Whether or not he'll remember in the morning is another story, but he's got to make the decision. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> and so whatever. I'm not a fan of these, I mean, resigning because, you know, you didn't well, that's, like that's this. What it's Billy fucking said. ridiculous. Because that would be disrespectful to... All the people in the military to everything. He goes, but resignation is a political act. It is. Right? And he goes, that's not, that that would not be fulfilling my oath and so on and so forth. So I thought it was a great answer. I mean, I'm ready to vote for Milley for president. He's certainly not a Democrat. (laughs) So um, I thought it was impressive this morning. I caught a few minutes before I took off with some more, the second day of testimony. Um, where I saw, and I don't remember his name, but one of the other generals on the panel that's testifying who took direct and total responsibility for the drone strike that that evidently 
um, was hit the wrong vehicle mm-hmm. and killed the, the civilians and did stuff. He goes, hey. Was it was, like Tesla software or what? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, GameStop. It was Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. um, he, so, I mean, I don't know what else you can, you know, what else you can but ask what, for, what, right? I mean, what about this? Isn't true transparency if they would have this hearing before the withdrawal so that we the american people could kind of know what the advice like for example i never the the number 2500 i never would have thought yeah 2500 that's a good troop number to leave in this was a number that the generals thought would be appropriate so wouldn't it be transparent and good for the american people to hear the strategy before it happens i don't don't, like isn't that true oversight i don't think you can do no oversight is when you go back and review what has been done that's a review and then decide what what if anything needs to be changed like to me if, if i'm going to oversee something i'm watching it as it happens not after the fact no maybe i'm hung up on the term i don't yeah, know you I, don't, are. I don't like yeah. it the, the the role of the congress is in the military is for the congress to over provide oversight for the military that's typically going to be after the fact so it's a review it's a review yeah. Oversight is a review, just like, I mean. And it's a complete waste of time because <laughs> Biden can say, hey, yeah, I heard I heard his recommendation and we chose our way and that's what we stand by. Well, I mean, if that's, I mean, here's the value of it, right? What we know is that the military, the, the main military, the chief, the, uh, God damn it. The, the main military advisor to the president of the United States uh, provided uh, ad, ad, advice that, that he thought that we should leave 2,500 troops there and that that advice was not taken by the president. And guess what? The, that military guy did not shoot the president and take over the government. <laughs> and if we had done so, would it have made that much of a difference on what happened, which well, is essentially... It would have been, been a disaster because... Like those people thing. probably would have been slaughtered. <clears throat> well, that that... So that advice was predicated on an assessment that the earliest possible fall of Afghanistan security forces would have happened in late October, right? Well, they that, sure, they that was missed the mark on that one. That, you know, that was incorrect intelligence that they got. But right? even still, what difference does it make between, you know, 24 hours later and October? If the end result was that the Taliban was going to take over you know the the Afghanistan armed forces and ultimately the country. The end result is the same. Um, that's my way of yeah, saying, I hey, you get no criticism from me. The, well, the end result is what we got. Well, that's the difference between you and these uh, fucking asshole Republican, you know, senators or whatever. Hearing this was the stupid questions that they were asking are are obviously, you know, just. They're not trying. Look, there's a difference between oversight and then using a hearing like this just to sling political arrows. Yeah, right. right. You're not doing so when you're doing that. When you use a hearing for that purpose, then you are not fulfilling your responsibility of congressional oversight. You're just being a fucked up political hack. But don't you? Do you ever watch these? Uh, It seems like that's the theme of a lot of them. Yeah. Oh my god. It'll take. It takes time off your life. Well, I mean, I I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but for those people that say, well, both sides do the same thing. I watched a whole bunch of hearings, and it's not the same. So argue with me all you want about that, anybody out there. Um, the, the, the horse shit that we see coming from Republican 
Senate and congressional uh, hearing members is not the same as what you hear from the Democrats. There's a huge it, difference. I'll give you an example. Our favorite, my favorite, this fucking loudmouth AOC, uh, she's terrible. But I watched one one time where she was, I think it was somebody from the banks. It was like maybe Wells Fargo. Uh-huh. And, uh, God, what the hell was it? It was questioning about loans that Wells Fargo gave to certain businesses that were involved in doing something that she didn't like or corrupt or whatever. That should be easy. And and so, but the implication is like, it wasn't a direct loan to fund this particular program. It was a loan to this company who uses the funding to do a multitude of things. Some of which you might've said that's appropriate. Some of which you might've said is not, but the argument she was making is, Hey, any, any money that you loan to these guys is 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 wrong because they're you know bad actors and you should know that and and more importantly you're complicit in their behavior you're just as guilty uh-huh. because you loaned them the money. Uh-huh. I thought that was it's just bad rhetoric. That's false and that's you know. Well, hey, look, I'm not saying that. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember I, what it was though. I I don't think that I'm saying that. There's never an example of of questions at a hearing from Democrats that you might not agree with, but I think that there's a huge difference between what you typically see coming from the Republican members of these here at these hearings and what you hear from Democrats in general. But the truth is like in her comments, representative of the, of the norm. But my point to all of that is her comments were not intended to get information or to seek the truth. It was just, it was just political posturing, which is the same thing that these Republicans were doing by questioning the Afghan withdrawal decision. Well, well just as wrong. I mean, I, I mean, if you, if you want me to react to something that AOC, AOC said that, you know, that, that you've explained, I, I can only say, yeah, that doesn't sound productive. I Nobody mean, can explain I what see, she says. I want to see hearings. <laughs> Nobody knows what she's talking about. I want to see. Well, let me give you a better example of 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 a current legislator that is awesome at this. Right, you want to see Katie Porter in action, right? When she participates, I don't know her. She's a representative from California, <laughs> and she's what does she do? She's in the Congress. She's she's overpaid uh, hack. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when she goes to a hearing. Uh, with bankers, right? She brings a whiteboard and then she writes out. Oh, she's stuff, one of those, right? and she crucifies them, right? And it's 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 everything a hearing should be. It's everything oversight should be. It's bringing up the people that you're that you have oversight over. What's wrong with banks? And then and then and then and then, and then examining them regarding things that they're saying that just aren't true, and then you know demonstrating it. So. Is she better at it than AOC? Does AOC have an agenda? Does she take an opportunity? Did 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 do other more? Let's see, uh, seasoned uh, Democratic legislators that that are on committees. Do they ask better questions? I don't know, but I think I think in general, for anybody that's watched any of these hearings over the years, especially the last many years. Um, you see that you know de- Republicans do their best to 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 divert the purpose of these hearings, and 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 I don't think they particularly succeed very well. I no, mean, but yeah, they don't. You have assholes like Grassley and Jim Jordan, and you know different people that that are just make this their life's work. I mean, you know, but, but even this imagery of this whiteboard, it's like fuck off. Just tell me what's legal. 
Tell me what's not legal, and let me get the fuck out of here. Don't lecture me with your goddamn whiteboard bullshit. Well, I didn't get the think fuck you, out of I my didn't life. Think you were gonna love that example, but um, yeah. So I mean, you know, I think the Afghanistan thing is unfortunate. Again, as I said the very first time we talked about this, in the long run, this is not going to make it or break it. It's not great for the Biden administration. It's a diversion right now from from other things. It's unfortunate. I think the fact that, for me, all it demonstrates is a courage by this administration to do something that everybody knows was right. Um, you want to quibble or you want a Monday morning quarterback about about how it happened. Um, I Whatever. I don't think it matters. I think, you know, 70-something percent of the American public were in favor of us of getting the fuck out of uh, Afghanistan. And the fact is that Obama and... and um, uh, and Trump um, were too chicken shit to to pull the pull the pull the plug you know pull pull the trigger on this because there are always going to be negative political fallout for it. So once again, I think uh, Biden just said, "Hey, I'm going to do it because it's right, and I'm going to own it, and that's the end of it." Um, you know, did anybody want to leave? I mean, did we leave any American citizens in Afghanistan? Well, we remember, did. that was we the whole because thing. because they didn't want to leave. Exactly. And it was right? a small number. Yeah, like, so what was the last number we talked about? 300 or something? So I watched a Republican uh, uh, participant in the hearing this morning ask Millie, why, how would you put together an exit strategy that would leave Americans in Afghanistan? That's such a bullshit question. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's what didn't. I mean. We didn't. They didn't want to go. That's just... You just want to. You so, saw the image of all those people hanging onto the plane. There was clearly more room on the wing. Yeah, there was, there was room for them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that was explained too. That was a couple of hours, right after the Afghanistan security forces on the outside of the airport disintegrated, right? Then that happened. Order was restored mostly because of the participation of Afghanistan. Uh, security force commando units that did not disintegrate, right? They're the ones that that restored order inside the airport. That was achieved in a matter of hours. So, you know, you you, want to fixate on on an unfortunate occurrence during a chaotic situation. It's just not productive, and it's not – it's disingenuous. It's just very much – And don't you think – In keeping with the Republicans. Even if – like right now if or six months from now, if those 300 people want to come out, we'll go get them. Or what if they're captured? And it's known, and they're you know on TV. Are we going to go they, get them? You shouldn't have fucking been there in the first place. But are we would are we going to leave them there? Well, I mean, if they didn't get out when they had the opportunity to get out, and that is apparently the case, right? For whatever, I mean, I'm sure some of them thought that security, Afghan security forces were going to hold the line for at least for months, really? right? Well, I mean, uh, apparently, didn't we learn that those guys were actually very poorly trained? Well, you didn't learn much of this. I mean, here's here's what's here's what the the story seems to be on the whole Afghanistan thing. We were there for twenty years. We rotated everybody in and out of that country. The United States had almost no 
people that spoke the language, nobody that understood the culture. Uh, even though we had a presence there for 20 years, we, we didn't have anybody in country for 20 years. That's not the case. And there was no political will to understand. So what you had was rotations of generals and people and civilian politicians and this and that. It's State Department people in and out of that country over 20 years. <clears throat> never, never achieving an understanding of of Afghan culture. It was just holding the line. On, right? And so then you have successive presidential administrations where the where the military is reporting back to them and to the Congress, right, that everything's okay, that the training's going great, blah, 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 because that's the that is the culture for the military, right? Hey, it's it, you never say die, it complete the mission. The mission is to train the Afghan security forces. This is what oversight is showing us, right? That that the military did not report factually the situation regarding training and equipping Afghani security forces. And the consequence of that is an overestimation of their confidence, which is really the root cause of this incredibly chaotic withdrawal. And that's it. I mean, you, you know, it, it, because, I mean, those are the things we need to learn. And that's the thing we need to now go forward and say, hey, but we what, need to make it possible for military, for the generals to, to speak truth to power, not just tell them what they want to hear. But is that something we truly learned? Or don't you think deep down we always we, knew that? That's why we should be learning it. I mean, we apparently didn't. Like we talk, Well, we talk about nation building all the time. Has there ever been a successful case of that? I mean, how did we not, not know? In Japan. But how did we not know this was going to be the outcome? Regardless of what the military uh, uh, was the, reporting. The outcome of what? Of Afghanistan. In other well, words, it, even you mean, if... You mean when George Bush started the war there? And what I mean is all of these reports over the last 20 years of how well we were doing and, yeah. and how, you know, the success of this mission, yeah. how did we not, I mean, how did we not assume this is going to be the outcome? I think I understand your question. I mean, uh, I th I think what what I'm I guess my position is that is that the the political the presidential administrations that have that have come and gone during the Afghanistan war uh, were given incorrect information by a military that did not feel they could report failure to to the power. And, yeah, I understand that. I'm just right? wondering, even if I got like a fucking rave review report, if I'm the president and I get, you know, feedback and reports of how well things are going, I'm going to go like, no, we're not. This is bullshit. Well, I mean, <laughs> it can't be going this well. Well, if if the if the if the position is, hey, um, we should uh, we should so we shouldn't have gone. We should have started this mess in Afghanistan if we if because we knew how it was going to end up. I mean, so then doesn't that fall fully and squarely on George? No, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying that either. I think the mission, well, first of all, I don't know what the stated goal was other than to what? Get bin Laden? Wasn't that? Route the, the, out. Okay. Wasn't that the, the primary goal? Destroy Al-Qaeda's Al Al capability to command and control in Afghanistan. With right? the primary down, target. Uh, yeah, of yes. bin Laden. So, so once we did that, like, well, that was ten years. We did that ten years ago. So, I know. So why didn't we then pull up the stakes? Because well, that was on Obama. Well, because 
because the mili- what the military was telling Obama at that time was that, hey, we need to train the Afghanistan, the Afghan security forces. We need more time. They're not ready, but the training's going good, and with more time, we could do it. And the assessment should have been made that, hey, once our once our immediate mission of of degrading command and control for Al Qaeda, Qaeda, whatever the fucking name is, <laughs> but you see, and and and, and we killed Bin Laden, we should have got out. And that, even Obama knew that. He well, references that, that, that in the his political book. Political courage that Obama did not. I know that's so disappointing. But well, he he knew that those reports were either incorrect or he knew it didn't matter. He knew the end result was what it was going to be. And that was, like you said, 10 years ago, so 2011, early in, that would have been his first term. Well, this is, look, let's look at Obama. This was an embattled president facing a, a completely obstructionist Republican um, um, uh, Republican situation. And, um, you know, that's... Uh, that was his call to make. He he never felt that he could expend the political capital uh, to pull out of Afghanistan. I'm sure he wanted to. He also wanted to close Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay, Bay yeah. right? You know, so um, which is a fantastic movie uh, on the streaming services about Guantanamo too. True story. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that um, going back to, to on some of these things is kind of. I mean, Afghanistan. Look, we we did what we went there to do. We stayed longer than we should have. And it, the thing we need to learn from this is that nation building is kind of a fool's errand. It is. And we've also learned that you can't Monday morning quarterback. You got to know this shit ahead of time <laughs> and realize that the president's going to make the decision no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, yeah, your alarm is going off. I know you got to go. So, have we had is enough that fun? Through on the thing. <laughs> have we had enough fun for today? Yeah, this is good. This is good. You know, it's hard when you miss a week. It's hard to capture everything. So, um, that was good. I feel well. We better. will continue the, uh, the the war on freedom and continue capturing <laughs> ideas and thoughts. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.